News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. This is the FAQ podcast, June 9th, 2022. This is Katie Honan on vacation in an undisclosed location. Harry Siegel in Brooklyn and Dr. Chrissy Greer also in Brooklyn. How are you guys today? Hello there. Hanging in. So it is. it has been a busy week uh, this week. I know that the gubernatorial debate, which I did not watch, but I did follow. Um, I believe they discussed, among other things, ghosts um, and whether or not the candidates believed in it. But also the news from it was doc, uh, doctor. <laughs> She's not a doctor. Governor Kathy Hochul saying that there will be delay in congestion pricing. Um, we had a poll about Mayor Eric Adams, who also visited Washington, D.C., to talk about guns, kind of broadening New York City's crime issues uh, and making it a more national issue. Um, Harry, I know, and, and Chris, I know you guys both watched the gubernatorial debate. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your main takeaways as we are getting closer and closer to the primary. Yeah, I mean, listen, Harry and I were probably two of the five people watching said debate. (laughs) No, at least 10. I'm sure 10 people watched. It felt a little intimate. Like, you know, the energy of watching it, I was like, wow, it feels kind of weird knowing that I'm one of the few people in the world that's actually watching (laughs) this. Um, You know, I thought, let me just go across the board. So I thought Jumani did well in the sense that he's the progressive candidate. I thought that he sort of did what he was supposed to do to speak up for progressives and try and remind people that, these issues have real-world people behind them. I thought Kathy Hochul, you know, didn't have any major gaffes. She's obviously the front runner. She's in the catbird seat. The issue that I had with Kathy Hochul was, girl, you know they're going to bring up the Buffalo Bills Stadium. Why is it that you don't have a concrete answer to that? You know they're going to bring up your NRA um, uh, relationship from back in the day when you were a congresswoman. Like, have a concrete answer. You know, LBJ was a super racist conservative when he was a member of Congress because that was his district. As the office expanded, he evolved. Like politicians are allowed to evolve and honestly change their positions on things as time goes on and as the job goes on. So I was just, I was wondering why she didn't have solid footing. You know how I feel about Tom Swazi. Not a fan. I just think he's like a sneaky Republican and a fear monger and um, just kind of like, I want to give people white man option. Because that's what some people need. And I just didn't feel like he had any real concrete policies or I didn't really see the justification as to why he was on that stage. So that was my takeaway. I don't think it moves the needle. Again, you know, Harry always asks this question and I I keep it in my mind when I'm watching these debates. It's like, who is this for and what is it changing? And I don't know who it's for really. And would someone watch this and say like, you know, I really loved... Kathy Hochul, but now I'm going to go with, you know, Swazi or or Williams. I just can't see that happening. So I think it's important that we sort of flesh these things out. But again, knowing that so few people actually paid attention. Now, I will say this. I think that Kathy Hochul is a shark. Obviously, she is. She's the governor, right? And somehow managed to, to rise like a phoenix from the ashes of Andrew Cuomo. But I do think it would be a really interesting scenario to see what these debates would look like if we had them throughout the summer and if the election were held in August. Um, because I I do think, you know, Giovanni doesn't really have cash like that, but to see if he could get some momentum with some progressive people, not sure. Or if Swazi would just continue sort of beating the drum. It's like, hey, I'm the white man that you sneaky want to vote for because I'm going to go up against a white man as a Republican. And I think that there's still a lot of Democrats who believe in like maleness and whiteness, and he satisfies that. Speaking of maleness and wetness. 
Harry's turn. Nope. <laughs> right. Tell us every, what you think, white man. <laughs> everyone, I, I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, finally, the uh, uh, the white man gets microphone time. Right. You're so yeah, impressed. Finally. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, um, so, so the Sienna poll that shows, and we're going to talk more about this, that, that New Yorkers are not super happy with Eric Adams' job performance, although there's a lot else happening there, and they actually seem very happy with a lot of Adams' policies and his swagger. Uh, it also shows that the New Yorkers are not super happy with Kathy Ockel. So is yeah. New York State on the right track or the wrong track? 38-46, wrong track. How's Hochul doing? Excellent or good? 35%. These are not great numbers at all. Um, Hochul kept talking. I, I thought she might have been in New Jersey because she kept talking about the situation, the Brian Benjamin <laughs> situation, the Buffalo Bills situation. She said, I'll have more to say about that, that, that situation. Obviously, she just wants to mark time and be done with this. There's a reason she really wanted to keep her primary in June. And reminder, early voting's already started. Uh, uh, election day is June 28th, Tuesday, coming right up. Um, but but she wants to mark time. She's ahead by a million bajillion dollars and approximately as many uh, percentage points. People are just meeting Swazi and Williams for the first time, the 10 of them who watched this debate. And, you know, the clock is more or less out on them. What's worrying me is we have these weird polls on the Republican side where I don't think this is going to be super high turnout contest. Some of them show... Uh, uh, a young Giuliani, yeah, you know, who, who is running for governor because he was the uh, president's golf buddy uh, ahead of Lee Zeldin. Both Giuliani and Zeldin jumping off of the uh, Chesse Bedin moves out of, uh, out of San Francisco say, hey, if I'm elected governor, first thing I'm doing is throwing Al Bragg, the uh, first black Manhattan district attorney, out of office. Um, and, and there are all these signs, which I think Chrissy and I have talked about, about, about this looking like a, uh, another strong year for Republicans. And after the statewide referenda did really well last year. So Hochul is obviously really, really weak. And it's not just this one poll. She has a ton of money. She's the democratic default. She's going to get through this primary just fine, but she doesn't have a great positive case to make for herself. It doesn't help when your first big decision is getting a Lieutenant governor, which is sort of meaningless, but it's the role she came from. So you can see the power in it. And then that guy ends up uh, getting arrested and for stuff that was in the news when you picked them. Um, none of this has really been litigated. The bill stuff hasn't. Uh, these Republicans are very worrisome to me, especially when I'm looking at the national picture and especially someone like young Giuliani, who, who you know, has no qualifications to run. Uh, he's never done anything. Um, and it just sort of goes out and, and raves operatically like his, his, his father did, but with much less uh, purpose or thrust in, in my view. And I, I, I don't see a Republican winning. It's been 20 years since one is one statewide, but like, it's, it's a weird and ominous year that way. And I think that race might be closer than expected. I think, especially with these new maps that like the super majorities, the Democrats have in both houses of the legislature are, are possibly going to be endangered, uh, very likely to shrink. Uh, the, 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 the things are much more ominous than they feel. So last thing I'll say is we just went through this whole election in New York where all the bad shit that's coming up uh, that was papered over by the federal money we got, I think in large part, 
So the, the, the outgoing mayor didn't want to talk about that because he wanted to say, I've done a great job. The candidates wanted to be like, hey, everyone's getting tired of COVID. Uh, I want to promote a recovery and what's happening uh, uh, and positive things, crime and Eric Adams aside for a moment. Um, and and uh, I could see this being a, a, a screwier general election um, than, than New Yorkers are ready for. And potentially, as we just saw in California, a really low turnout one where people are a little exhausted. There's no Trump on the ballot, despite Democrats' efforts to make things pseudo-referenda on him, and uh, motivated Republicans, as they did last year with these uh, statewide initiatives that the, the, the Democrats expected to passively pass and ended up failing to make voting easier, mostly, uh, among other things. Uh, you know, I, I could see a lot of motivated Republicans turning out and a lot of Democrats sort of snoozing through this. And in a general, as opposed to a Democratic primary, just being like, hey, I'm the governor and I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. And, you know, I'm doing things as quickly as I can. And credit to her, by the way, for the gun legislation that just passed. No other state has done yeah. that. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a very compelling message. So so I'm worried we've got we've got rockier, a rockier election and a rockier season coming up for New York than people are recognizing. Yeah. And, and I think someone like Andrew Giuliani, you know, he does not have, not have qualifications. But since when does that really matter to a lot of voters? He's a lot. He's kind of everywhere. He's all over the place. He has a name recognition. And depending on who wins in the end of this month in the, um, you know, if he wins the Republican primary for, you know, we'll just play future, you know, uh, fortune teller. If he wins, I think he could really run and maybe move some more conservative Dems towards him. He just has a lot more time. Whoever wins, they have a lot more time before the general to to build up a stronger base. He'll he'll win, right? Like, like, Like Republicans are sort of stuck and Trump has stayed out to this point. And this is literally, I mean, this guy's job was being Trump's golf buddy. Yeah. Well, he did he, did he, didn't he sue Duke too? I don't know. My memory yeah, is really on it. Yeah. 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 It's sort of just on the SNL sketch, unfortunately. Listen, I mean, that whole family is just, they're a cesspool of degenerates, all of them. Um, and I think it's a real sad state of affairs that like uh, X percent of New Yorkers would look at this child, man child, and think that he could make any decisions with a clear mind. I mean, you can hear him speak and it's just, it's a blustering, you know, it's those kids who give a book report, clearly haven't read the book report and just want to like sit there and stall for 20 minutes in front of the class. That is like quintessential Giuliani Jr. Um, And so the fact that it is probably going to be a lot closer than we anticipate is is really problematic. It's Andrew the son part two. Another son uh, named Andrew. Right. Uh, Can you imagine? So I know, yeah. So, you know, Harry, you mentioned a little bit, I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about Mayor Adams, um, the polling, which I will say, you know, his team took umbrage to the fact that they were people were interpreting fair as negative um, in their defense. I see their point. I was a fair student my whole life and I was always happy to get rated fair. You know, it's better than poor <laughs> and you can't expect everything to be great. But, you know, even with with gun control efforts and and some of the issues that are that are his biggest issues about crime um you know didn't do that well in it and and uh but again i guess he was kind of pulling 29 percent said he was rated him poor overall you know getting into the crosstabs there's obviously big differences on demographically how people think of him but but mayor adams also went to dc this week to talk about guns um i thought did a good job from what i saw of making New York City's gun problems and our crime problems 
not just about New York City, right? When you when you if you if you're in New York City and you feel that this is just a city on the edge and, and things are just out of control when you broaden it to realize cities across the country are experiencing higher crime than they had before COVID. And you know, he's trying to stop the flow of guns into the city, which obviously comes from other states. Um, you know, you see it in Chicago with I, I know there have been studies that show a lot of the guns are coming from Indiana and that kind of thing. So I think it again, I don't want to and what Eric Adams wants to do after becoming after he's mayor of New York, but again, these sort of more pointed and very specific national appearances, you know, more so than what Bill De Blasio did soon into his first term as mayor, making national appearances that seem solely political. Uh, I think Eric Adams going down to DC to meet with the delegation to talk about issues that are really important to New York City. It's a much smarter tactic than the way Bill De Blasio tried to make a national name for himself, which was just. It seemed much more political. Not to say that going to DC. <laughs> well, now is not he does want to go to DC and have that conversation. <laughs> he wants Katie, to go every week. Yeah. <laughs> after he's done playing in his jug band in the middle of the street. I, I, I got to say, not that I'm, and uh, I don't know if this is sexist to point out, but Bill de Blasio campaigning all weekend in basketball shorts and a t shirt. Mm. Get a pair of chino shorts, brother. Come on. Mm. You're, you're going to block parties looking like you just rolled out of the gym. It really bothered. I, I was looking at his Twitter all weekend going, man, like, could you just put on a normal pair of shorts? But I mean, but here's, but this is going back to my previous statement about white maleness, right? <laughs> Can you imagine anyone right. else doing that? Like, yeah. we had a whole podcast episode when Eric Adams wore a sweatshirt. Like, yeah. I just think it's it's wild to sort of think about, you know, the bold audacity of some of these cats who run for office where it's just like, I'm going to roll up and knock on some doors and kick it at the gym. Like, go to Old Navy, get a pair of those Navy blue, get a, just Chino shorts. They sell them. And then, but sorry, we, 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 yeah, we allowed Bill de Blasio's fashion. I allowed it. I brought it up. I, we shouldn't have. I, I did want to circle back about to the survey about fair as someone who makes surveys for a living, because I, I don't like the conflating of fair and poor and excellent and good. Those are very yeah. different conversations. So this is a five point, we call it like a Likert scale, if you will. So it's excellent, good, fair, poor, and then don't know slash no opinion. And you also have to pay attention to those because in a lot of these questions, you've got double digit people who are just like, don't know or don't have an opinion. So we that is, a non-response yeah. is still, still a response. So we have to also acknowledge those individuals But fair and poor are not the same. And so there are a lot of folks, we've got high double digits for a lot of these questions, you know, 30%, 25%. When asked about Eric Adams, where they give him fair in really high numbers, but not poor. So to just conflate the two really does skew the data in a way that that doesn't make sense. I also think some of the questions um, deep into the the poll sort of address things where it's like is that an eric adams problem or is that just like i don't know if that's an issue um, i'm trying to pull it up um that he can necessarily fix right away i mean like so many of these issues were there before eric adams and i know that that's the role of uh an elected official to try and uh figure these things out but you know should he be held accountable for you know the mental health of people during a pandemic it's like well he's working on it but like he didn't create the pandemic or the mental health crisis. So why is that an assessment on him? So I don't know. I just, I found the poll, um, 
you know, interesting, but I, I think the interpretation of the poll has been more frustrating because I think it's it's more of a headline grabber than uh, most people aren't going to sit here and look at the cross tabs like we are. Yeah, that's, yeah. Interestingly enough, I think for Eric Adams, the mayor, even as it's a really tough one in a bunch of ways for, for Eric Adams, the uh, politician. So so uh, there was actually a very smart piece by Nick Pinto at Hellgate uh, saying this was an Adams versus Adams issue and pointing to all the things he said about how dangerous and bad New York City is. And now looking at this poll where New Yorkers say they're, they're much more worried about their safety than had been the case previously. 50% say they've not taken any trains in the last week and fear is driving a lot of this. And then interestingly, if you go into the, how safe do you feel in your own neighborhood? How good do you feel about things? Are you happy with the policing there, right? New Yorkers are pretty happy. And then when they're looking at the citywide picture at things getting better or worse, how's Adams doing? They're considerably less happy. So that space between how people feel in their own lives and their perception of where things are going uh, seems to be, seems to be strikingly, broad at this point. And in fact, on a lot of these policy things, including ones where I staunchly disagree with Adams, people like what he's doing. There's a majority, a significant majority that's like, yeah, metal detectors on trains. There's an even bigger, significant majority for we need to sweep the homeless, can't have encampments, things that Adams has been talking about and putting his weight behind. And so, and New Yorkers say they actually really like his attitude as mayor and much prefer it to the last guy, which got specifically asked about. So Adams did an interview a bit ago for the FT where he said, I thought I was going to have things turned around by February. <laughs> I believe him because you don't talk as darkly as he did and kept doing after the primary when he knew he was going to be mayor, unless you think that's low hanging fruit, the police can do more. It's going to make an immediate difference and you can turn this stuff around immediately. You know, because you're setting baselines for your performance in office. And as this proved more difficult, and as Katie mentioned, he's shifting to, we need more from Washington. We need these sorts of help. Uh, um, and of course, guns coming in from other states is not a new problem. Ghost guns are a national problem. And you, you, you can feel that shift. But if you step away from Adams, the politician for a minute, the front man, and look at like his agenda and what he's trying to be doing, again, including things I don't really like, uh, I, I think this poll is actually very favorable to a lot of what he uh, is trying to accomplish and is starting to make some headway on. Last thing, including, you know, if you look at the CompStat numbers, uh, a, a significant and accelerating decline in the number of shootings this year, where it's down nearly 10% this year from last year, and it's down about 25% over the last month. And as he's focused on guns and shootings, and while criticizing DAs, prosecutors, lawmakers said, I'm going to use the tools at my disposal, which start with, uh, you know, a more aggressive NYPD approach to guns. And that seems like it's starting to have some success and just in time for the summer. And by the end of the summer, this really is what he's going to be uh, getting getting uh, getting judged on, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think I think this is a really pivotal summer um, for the mayor and in bringing crime down and, and especially with the shootings and um, just addressing, you know, the national gun crisis is not just a New York City problem. Um, it's 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 all over the country, um, even when there are, you know, high profile shootings in New York City, whether it's I just read about a girl in St. Albans who was shot uh, from a stray bullet while in her home. 
Um, so there are those stories that, that are, that kind of pop up, but when you look at the numbers overall, as you know, they are going down compared with last year, um, which is, which is a success for the mayor, which I'm sure he would point out that, you know, I guess no one's pointing it out, um, in terms of the media not pointing it out. But, uh, I think this summer will be not make or break because that sounds too scary, but it will be really pivotal for him and, and, and the city moving forward. 50% of people, New Yorkers say they've changed their routine recently to feel safer right? 60% yeah. of women, 70% of New Yorkers say they're, they're more concerned about having violent stuff happen. And more than half say they're worried about dead, random, spree killing sort of, of, of things, more of them happening here. Um, so so there, there's clearly a lot of built up fear and impatience to have this mayor who promised to do so reestablish something that feels more like normal, but at the same time, like we have this actual decline in the number of shootings that you would not know watching the news, reading the papers, uh, uh, or on social media necessarily, um, as, as a lot of coverage as, as, as focused on those and on each scary and terrible thing that happens. And this includes train shovings and lots of, lots, lots of other things that, that, that create a narrative of disorder that I think is real. Yeah. I don't think New Yorkers are like getting fooled by the post. Uh, but at the same time, I think I think there are signs of real and significant progress. Uh, the, the other two notables are much more support for giving more money to the very well-funded NYPD than, uh, uh, you know, by two and a half to one, people would prefer to give more than, than who say it should have less. And really broad support for maintaining gifted and talented programs basically across the board and uh, uh, across age groups, uh, the boroughs and racial groups, with the notable exception of Asians being much closer to evenly split on the issue than in any other group, which was surprising to me, given how much of the narrative around this has come down to changing these programs would unfairly hurt uh, Asian families and, and lower income and aspiring ones who, you know, use this test as a, a ladder into the middle class as, as part of the uh, narrative of the test offenders. Yeah. And as you know, we, we mentioned this earlier off, off before the recording, but you know, the move from former mayor de Blasio to get rid of gifted and talented was completely bungled. He's even apologized, right? Offered a rare de Blasio apology for just not engaging the, the, the people who, or the stakeholders, that's a corporate term, not engaging the stakeholders who would be most affected by this. And he just didn't talk to them at all. Didn't even talk to really any elected officials representing the parts of the city um, where a lot of the students come from. So it was completely bungled. And the mayor's plan for it. And, and I think it's been welcomed by a lot of families um, to have it back. And, in, in, you know, in, even if it's a little different um, and I know they want, and the mayor wants to expand it as well. This is where I think Eric Adams is like sneaky genius because he knows that education is the third rail, right? He yeah. knows that realistically white parents don't want their kids going to school with others. Parents of a certain class don't want their kids going to school with kids of a different class. Like, he knows that. He's smart enough to figure that out. And so instead of being, you know, ham-fisted like de Blasio, it's like, I'm the mayor and I'm going to make you integrate these schools. Eric Adams is sort of like, let's just lift all the schools yeah. and you guys can kind of figure it out. And I think that is going to keep the Manhattan crowd off of his back in ways that, you know, de Blasio sort of kept kicking the wasp nest. And not saying that he shouldn't have, you know, when he's trying to integrate these schools in on the Upper yeah. West Side. And you saw those parents, you know, raging like it was 1962 Mississippi. You know, God forbid your kindergartner goes to school with some like black and brown kids from the local housing project. So I think Adams is handling this 
in a particularly savvy way where he's just like, I'm not going to make you guys do anything. You all can just sort of suss it out and we'll just hopefully elevate some of the poorer schools. But I just think philosophically, it's wild to me to think that in this country, we can just casually talk about good schools and bad schools. Like knowing that certain schools are bad, like they have lead paint, they don't have resources, the teachers aren't, you know, adequately compensated or trained. And it's just sort of like, yeah, like so-and-so goes to a bad school and another person, still public, but like, you know, another person goes to a good school. Sometimes it's in the same building with all these co-locations. And so it's just wild to me as I think about how the value of education, not just in this country, but especially in New York, is such that, you know, money as with most things, can kind of give you access to a totally different life. You know, you think about these PTA organizations where it's like parents are basically funding their public school to make it like low-key private, right? Um, With arts programs and after school and all this other stuff. It's like, and that's your prerogative to do, but I thought public school is supposed to be the great equalizer and we know that clearly it is not. With the guy from Arcade Fire, right, Harry? That was your, uh, the Brooklyn, you know, DJ sets from famous Mm -hmm. musicians fundraising for public school in Brooklyn. Oh, that's the Michael Shannon... Roll by and raise a few hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's a pretty integrated school, and it doesn't yeah. have a super well-funded PTA. It has a, a, a ton of uh, of immigrant kids, mostly from the yeah. subcontinent, and then this group of, of, of white gentrifiers uh, and longtime neighborhood people who have committed to this, including a handful of like you know quarter celebrities, like a a sort of well-known white soul singer, a guy who was in the Arcade Fire, stuff like that. So they're going to perform. Big up, no, big up. Shannon is a, is a, is a, is a we can mine. talk, this is a different podcast. If Michael Shannon is a who are them, but I don't think he's a quarter celebrity. Whatever. We, we don't, we can talk about it another time. I, I, this I, is the ranking of celebrities. He's a zero celebrity to me. I had to look him up respectfully. Oh, really? He might low key be on my like white man Mount Rushmore of great actors. Mm. I have different categories. I, I, if I, I saw his face, it. when I saw his face, I'm like that guy. Yeah. That guy got right. it. But but the name the name did nothing. So so the other big money. Speaking of schools, money and all that, right? So so Eric Adams uh, and and Chancellor David Banks, right? They're like, look, we grew up in this city. We attended these public schools, and you're going to give us a shorter extension yeah. than you gave, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, Bill uh, effing De Blasio, uh, Massachusetts fan. Red Sox fan. <laughs> And, and that's what the legislature and, and John Liu, who runs the education committee and all that, that's what they did. They said, you get two years. Mm-hmm. You have less power over this pep board. I won't go deep into those weeds, but basically we have mayoral control, but this is a sort of advisory thing. But now the mayor has less control over the people he appoints to it, and he's not supposed to fire them even if they don't go in the way he wants. <clears throat> so this weakens mayoral control. And they said, uh, we're passing a law, which Hochul has not signed yet, but the legislation is on her desk, uh, saying uh, you've got five years and you have to have smaller class sizes. This is happening again as this federal money that's papered things over and as enrollments have been dropping is going to uh, go away. And the funding we get is tied to enrollments. So <coughs> there's an interesting fight brewing that potentially splits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the potentially splits the, uh, the, the, the teachers union and some parents from other parents and students where if, if there are less resources and you have to put this into hiring more teachers with all of the complications that come with that, like smaller class sizes are default good. Uh, you know, uh, research shows that they're much, much more valuable in the lower grades than the older ones. Um, and of course, as you hire more teachers, uh, uh, you know, you go farther into the, uh, the applicant pool who's qualified. 
who gets in, and it means you don't have money for other things. So, so banks and Adams are saying straight up, if we're required by law to do this and it's an unfunded mandate from the state, we're going to have to cut other programs and things. Um, as tax revenue is surprisingly high, the lawmakers are saying that's outrageous. But this is a big brewing fight. And because of this two-year extension, uh, when we're going to have a rematch on or a second round, even before yeah. Adams runs for re-election, with this potentially as a big issue, along with uh, you know crime, COVID, and whatever else comes up uh, in the meantime. And this survey does show the same sort of middling numbers for how people think he's doing with running the public schools so far. I think it's really early to ask about that. And I've actually been very impressed with the Adams and Banks approach there. Uh, but, but most people, again, say fair. 36 percent, 29 for excellent, six and 23 for good and uh, 23 poor. So clearly this this I think is going to be even as he's cooled the temperature and tried to say, you know, we're just uh, we're going to end a scarcity mindset. Everything's going to be good. We're not pitting parents against parents as they want to phrase it. Uh, that th- it's not going to be easy for him to keep this on the political back burner, uh, Chrissy, go- going going forward. And as he has to go back up to Albany to uh, you know try to get whatever he can out of them. Yeah, yeah. I think you know also though that truncated timeline always just reminds me of like black coaches in the NFL, where or the NBA, where it's just like you know. I don't understand how these losing-ass white coaches can stay on season after season. But a black coach is just like, we didn't get to the Super Bowl. You're fired. And I just feel like, you know, I'm trying not to look at everything through through a racial lens or a racist lens. But, like, you can't help it. I mean, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that you have a black mayor and a black school chancellor. And somehow, who miraculously— schools, Who went to these public who schools? Who went to these schools. And miraculously, they don't get the same— leash birth why you know wide birth that you know bloomberg got de blasio got and so it's just like so then it just reminds me of the nfl it's like well how am i supposed to get the same results or better and you're giving me less time and it's just it's like well (laughs) work magic i mean this is you know a paper that i was working on grad school we're you know thinking about how cities get black mayors especially their first black mayor and it's usually when the city was like going into the toilet, right? So it's like crime is up. You know, the tax base is gone. It's not just white flight. It's middle-class flight. Cities are struggling. And it's like, hey, let's give it a whirl. Let's just give it to this black dude and see if he can turn around this whole thing. And if he can't, then it's his fault. And then you think about, like, Obama. It's like, we only get Obama because of George Bush being a colossal failure and, like, the the global economy almost falling off a cliff. So I just feel like Eric Adams is handed the mayoralty, you know, coincidentally, but that's what people go for. It's like we're ravaged by a global pandemic, once in a century global pandemic, unemployment, cities are, you know, sort of desolate ghost towns in Midtown. You know, we've got vacancies everywhere. The housing market's wild. Homelessness is out of control. You know, gun violence is creeping up again. And it's like, hey, well, you know, let's give it to this guy and see if he can figure it out. See if he can figure out woes and ills of this country or this city that have been here for decades and his predecessor was, you know, asleep at the wheel for six of the eight years. And let's move a mountain in six months. If not, it's a poor rating. So that's where I'm sure. And the, listen, you know, I have some issues with Eric Adams. Don't get me wrong. However, I just, to be fair, like the way black mayors are treated in cities across the board, it's a pattern. And it's really noticeable and frustrating. Kicker, closer. Eric Adams has a very bad poll. He says this poll isn't quite fair. It doesn't express things, but he's got work to do in New York to get his numbers up clearly. Nationally, he's still seen as a uh, rising and appealing 
face of the party and especially by its moderate wing. Um, and as you're seeing th this pushback against progressives and the recall vote in San Francisco in the narrative more broadly in San Francisco, by the way, the mayor breed, you know, made a point of going after uh, Chessie again and again and saying, you know, enough of this bullshit, uh, her words. Uh, as people are trying to find a, a, a new center, Bill de Blasio, Chris, as you were saying, spent a long time sort of running for president and trying to put himself on the national stage. Is this something Adams reasonably should be thinking about? Is this useful for him in his role as mayor to have that national profile? Uh, or, or, or is this, uh, again, the same thing too soon? And of course, every living mayor of New York City has now run a uh, humiliating uh, campaign for president. Right. I say too soon. Come on, dude. Do the job. Like, <laughs> I might get in trouble for saying this. It's like, don't Michael Blake for your, yourself, right? Like, do the job that you got elected to do, and then we'll decide whether or not we want to promote you. You know, I understand that being mayor of New York City is a national job. It's an international job. And you need to have relationships with, obviously, the governor and even the president. But... It's too soon to talk about the presidency right now or anything beyond being mayor. Like, to be let's fair, see, he is not. It, it, it's Nolan not. Hicks reporting for the New York yeah. Post that people are right. saying. So it wasn't, so. it wasn't Nolan. It was um, John Levine. Oh, was it John? Oh, yes, yes. I'm so, sorry, uh, Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Very different folks. Shout out to Nolan. <laughs> Correct, Nolan. But I mean, I think let's get through this summer before we have any conversation about anything, right? Yeah. Like, let's get through a full year of an Adams mayoralty see who goes to prison or doesn't right like let's figure certain things out as far as the job that he has been tasked to do before we have any conversation about promoting him to any other job katie from your reporting is there anything adams can extract from washington taking advantage of his shine and national profile at the moment i think you know like i said earlier reminding new yorkers that Gun violence in New York City, it's not just a New York City problem, and, it, and you can't just find the solutions to it in New York City. Um, and I, uh, I have a much more forgiving um, sense of his domestic, or maybe even international travels. Um, maybe not the LA trip, because it was like a fundraising trip that they didn't really tell us about. But I think him going to D.C. to, to meet with the delegation, to, to speak with other... Minus uh, AOC and a couple of the other lefties, by the way, who decided not to show up. Right. Right. And I mean, that is like, he is not, a, they are not exactly friends, the kind of lefty, broader uh, delegation. But I think it reminds New Yorkers that this is, this, we need the support of Washington and we need the support of other states in actually fixing gun, the gun violence here in New York City and, and people's access to guns. FAQ. FAQ NYC is a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Artists, uh, Critics, and Journalists. Find us online at thebrick.house. We're headquartered at the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at NYU and recorded this week from Brooklyn, the planet, and an undisclosed location. Various other things that usually go in this closer. Be cool, be kind, be swell, and we'll see you on this audio podcast next week. Goodbye. Way to do that. Like you've got a gun in your back. <laughs> <laughs>